Welcome to You Can't Kill Me, every Slipknot song one by one. We are Chris Nee and Dave Musson, and we're here today to talk about our favourite Slipknot song, the Heretic Anthem. Indeed we are, in 87666543321. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Um, the idea of the podcast is simple. In each episode, we select one Slipknot song and put it under the microscope. We alternate our choices, and this time the choice is mine. Um, so I've gone to Iowa, our first Iowa song. Um, Good album, Iowa, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Um, I, so I've picked this song in particular because it was such a major contributor to my love of Slipknot as a teenager. So I've got that explosive introduction from the self-titled. Then Iowa came along. Um, you know, first introduction to that was Left Behind and then listened to the album and went, oh my God, the Heretic Handle is amazing. Um, it has loads of bits where I, I have a little involuntary pause and then one single bang in the head which mm-hmm. I love um, and it it just fizzes with anger like this is Slipknot this is absolutely credible authentic totally believable total fucking rage yeah yeah and the fact that it's 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 a catchphrase song, but it's Slipknot doing a catchphrase song. So it's better than any catchphrase song yeah. any other band can do ever. Yeah. And Corey shouting heretic in this song <laughs> yeah. is a career high. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll back you on that. Definitely. So this is th- those are the reasons why I've picked that over um, the rest of the album. But to, to give a bit of context, Iowa, I think particularly in the UK, was a massive album and it got slightly mixed reviews at the time but it eventually became known as the benchmark for Slipknot Aggression and that's fine like if this is your benchmark fair enough yeah um Iowa made Slipknot a metal band yep I think all of the the other things they might have ended up being pigeonholed as kind of disappeared at this point and to me um I think it it did so at a time when the community in the UK was was ready for it. The, the youth in the UK was was ready for it. And it, feel, it feels weird now to think about it, but kids younger than us, yeah, their music, their mainstream, became Slipknot. And it to me, I think it was it was slightly the self titled and mostly Iowa that did that. Number one in the UK. I was going to say that's proof alone of how ready the UK was mm. for it. This album sounding like this when <laughs> when this song is one of the poppier, more mainstream elements of this album. The fact that that an album like that went straight to number one is just mind-boggling. Absolutely mind-boggling. It is, and it 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 felt normal. Yeah. It felt normal, and I was waiting for this album. I was so excited about it, and I knew that it was going to be big. That's the thing. There was never any doubt that it was that there was going to be anything other than big and anything other than excellent. Mm. Like sometimes when a big band puts an album out, and perhaps even with this band, this particular big band, when a new album has come out, you've maybe sort of held your breath and thought, I'm not entirely sure what to expect. I'm not entirely sure if I'm still going to be as into this as everyone. With Iowa, you just knew... Like from the moment they announced that it was called Iowa, you just say, well, that's going to be brilliant then. That's going to be wholly disturbing and that's going to put them on another level. Mm. It's just, it's one of those rare moments when you've just got every confidence that this band is just going to absolutely deliver. Yeah. What keeps it exciting this album, I think, is that 
I remember buying it like it was yesterday. I can remember where I bought it, what day of the week it was. Um, and the story of it is I went into Tesco and I bought it from number one in the album charts yeah. at the top of the shelf. I can remember in Tesco. I can remember the smell of the booklet. <laughs> the, the booklet for Iowa had a distinct oh, smell. Well, that really brings it distinct back. Smell. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. Yeah, I, I, I went and I went and got my original copy out the drawer the other day and and sniffed the booklet, which has <laughs> fallen apart because I've opened it so many times. It still has the vaguest whiff of what was there in 2001, but obviously it has dissipated over time somewhat. Mm. But just the fact that. I can even associate a smell with with Iowa. It just, oh, I just, I've struggled to put into words quite how impactful that album was, and just how, like you say, how normal it felt. Mm. So it's like, yep, this is Slipknot proving themselves to be better than anyone else. Yeah, it did, and it felt it felt almost too normal for me as a bit of a dickhead teenager, who's like <laughs> grown up with with metal generally, and have always slightly railed against other people liking what I like. Um, it was so, at least, youth subculture mainstream that there was just a little moment where if it had been not absolutely top draw, I might have walked away from it a little mm. bit because all of the kids who were younger than me really got into it. Um, but it's just undeniable. And, and you know, thankfully, it was of a quality where I was just unable to step away from Slipknot in the slightest. And it, in fact, cemented me as a, as a fan. And this, in, this particular song played a big, part in that we will talk about a little bit about what it's about lyrically i'm i don't care what this song's about no i i just i just see a banger i just an absolute outrageous banger it has absolutely everything i could want from a slipknot song it has the stomp it has a great riff it has this massive chorus great vocal performance it has all of the weird glitchy shit going on in the background the lyrics are decent. As I say, I'm not too fussed about the story itself. But I, I can't really find much fault in it as a Slipknot song. Well, that that hook is almost the, you know, the, the self-title came out and over the course of that album cycle, this Slipknot machine grew and it sort of snowballed bigger and bigger and bigger, more hype, more awareness, more shock in the mainstream press, more parents getting scared about Slipknot particularly in this country just just more hype 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 and then this album drops and this song with that hook like you say it could the the vocals could be about anything in the world yeah but that hook as an anthem to cement it probably had the same effect on the majority of Slipknot fans around the world as it did on you you hear this anthem and you've got you've had like a year maybe two years of really immersing yourself in the world of this band and and getting getting lost in the in the masks in the mythology wondering what they look like in the in all the weird stories about how how odd they were as people and and their weird little town they came from and then this is like the i guess one of one of the first singles from this album and just bang here's an anthem that a whole world full of maggots can sing it was just perfect. And like I say, it could be about absolutely anything, but like it's, it's somewhat ironic given what the song is actually about. But the, the chorus for this song is one of the most marketable things Slipknot I've ever done. Mm. Like it's perfect for t-shirts, isn't it? It's perfect yeah, yeah. as a, as an MSN messenger status name. It's just, it's everything. And 
yeah, I, I can't help but feel like this song made so many people diehard Slipknot fans purely because of that anthemic cry in the middle of it. Yeah. It's just perfect. They're very good at that, and it's it's totally catchphrasable. And yet it's in the middle of this musical canvas that is just an absolute barrage of noise. Yeah, yeah. It's fantastic, right? So I, I think we should probably pay some attention to the story because it does come mm-hmm. from somewhere. Um, the original Kill Pop, I think. Yes, um, yeah. So what I'm going to do, Dave, is I'm going to read out a long quote from Corey Taylor. Okay. Which suggests at what the song is about, but actually is just a bit angry and... Um, I will allow you to decipher what he actually okay, means by okay. it. Strap in. Right. It's a long one. Um, and if you happen to be listening to this in a car with children, um, I would skip for the next 30 seconds. Uh, right. Corey Taylor. Mm-hmm. A couple of months ago, some evil people, some money-hungry, cock-sucking, idiot motherfuckers came to us and said, you know, if you want your next album to be huge, you've got to write a radio-friendly fucking song. Now, being that we are Slipknot, We are nine crazy people from the middle of nowhere, nine people who do not give one rat fuck about what the music fucking industry fucking thinks. We stood there politely, we processed the information, and we said, well, thank you, Mr. Businessman, but if you'll excuse me, suck my motherfucking dick, and this next song is a result of that fucking conversation. What? Yeah, I mean... that's very uh, that's very 2001 Corey, isn't it? I don't think I think I can imagine him telling the same story with a similar amount of panache these days, but probably fewer swear words. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it totally makes sense, doesn't it? You've got a bunch of people in the music music industry saying, "Oh, hey, Slipknot, you're this you're this big thing. Uh, we really like that Wait and Bleed song." We and um, probably meaning we really like the Terry Date way in Bleed Song where there's not actually any aggro on there. Just do some more of those and you'll be massive. Um, And this, as Corey, not particularly eloquently, but effectively (laughs) puts it there. uh, No, no, we're not doing that. It's an easy to date quote, isn't it? Given how eloquent he's become. Yeah. He always was really, but given how eloquent he now allows himself to be publicly um, seen as, the guy who came on QI, the bloke who who, like will, will do a video where he tells a story um on stage and the comments will all be about how he could do stand-up comedy yeah the bloke who gives like henry rollins a, a, a run for his money if he were to do a one-man show who's written how many books now yeah yeah um this drives a stake into the ground in 2001 doesn't mm-hmm. it yeah yeah that really is how does. he speaks and it's and yeah it's a slipknot i think we can all get behind yeah absolutely it's just yeah i i love the fact that that this is their big middle finger to all of those industries type. And it just makes it even more satisfying that this record was as much of a success as it was. And like I say, the, the industry type still ended up with a weight and bleed. It's just, mm. it's just a different type of weight and bleed, but how many t-shirts are going to have been sold with if you're five, 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 I'm six, six, six on it since this yeah, song came I dread out. To think. Millions I would have thought. Yeah. So that, that meaning um, comes through when you look deeper into it. But I think, the the six 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 thing combined with the the countdown that you've already hinted at as well gives it that um that little kind of moral panic edge. Well, you combine the, parent. the yeah, you combine the six 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 with the the goat, and yeah. they were starting to use the upside down pentagram yes. at this point. You know, it was, it, they were they. I mean, they knew what they were doing. They Absolutely. they were they were tapping into people's into parents' fears. And they were they were not just saying right we're gonna 
this album is called Iowa and we're going to take we're going to take you to our home and you're not going to like it. But it was also, oh, um, we're also devil worshippers. Yeah. Or maybe we're not, but we're just going to we're just going to leave it there. Yeah. Rock Sound described it as delicious blasphemy, which is uh, fair. Yeah, yeah. Fair. And and it's, you know, it's it's actually not a blasphemous song, but no. it has that big hint that it might be, which worked beautifully. Mm. Um, the Drowned in Sound review of, of the album uh, said of the Heretic song, it's it's catchy, hateful and angst ridden to hell. Check. With a chorus like, if you're 555, then I'm 666, it's perfect for Slipknot fans the world over check yep um guaranteed to cause rsi in the necks of headbanging new metalers everywhere headbanging oh, yes. metalers yeah and, and probably new metalers i guess yeah um so that that reviewer only gave the album seven out of ten and i think iowa's um critical reviews looking back on them surprisingly not completely knocked out of the park mm. um so i think it's one of those that's become a classic in hindsight and was probably very much of its community at the time mm just happened to be a massive community yeah new metal whether or not slipknot fit that box was huge when this album came out Mm -hmm. and it was probably a big part of what moved us all out of new metal which by 2001 was was kind of on its last legs really in terms of kind of creative value um apart from dry kill logic (laughs) (laughs) um joking and having a proper extreme album which stands up against death metal stands up against extreme metal was an eye-opener for us and i think by this point in time you've got um at the driving coming along you've got new wave of american heavy metal starting to kind of be born in the brains of the, the, the kids who were, were starting that movement as well. We were moving away from new metal. Iowa gave us another route out of that. Yeah. One that fits me much more. I had the drive-in, fine. It was never going to be my route out of new metal. I was always going to go back to metal proper. Yeah. That is what Iowa gave me. And it was th- this was the album, and in large part the song, that made me a maggot for life. Yeah. And... On that route out of new metal, not related to Slipknot, but just an, a nice little added fact. A week after I was was released, System of a Down released Toxicity. So, as you were saying before we pushed play, not only did you go and pick up your Iowa from number one on the shelves, but there was Toxicity at number two on the shelves. I mean, what a week in terms of in terms of cementing heavy music in in the mainstream at that point but as a as an alternative route out of new metal if you wanted something a bit weirder and a bit catchier and a bit less death metal you'd got system doing their thing as well and then those two bands went and toured as a co-headline thing in america <laughs> imagine that i bet that was a bit good yeah it must have been a bit good so i, I, I was um late to slipknot live i had my opportunities when i was younger but i, I couldn't get to london mm-hmm so I missed out on the early shows, despite the intention to go. And just life happened, and it, it, I never really got around to it until much later. Seeing System touring with the Dillinger Escape Plan mm-hmm. around this time, 2002, yeah. um, was, oh, new Metal's over, but actually some of these bands that carried that label rightly or wrongly at the time are going to carry on and be creatively absolutely brilliant for years to come. Slipknot were the, the, the vanguard of that for me. They were always going to be Slipknot, and I don't think they've ever let us down on that front yet. 
Um, the the lyrical representation of of, of this um, industry um, backlash of this song it's it's got a shroud of mystery to it you know it's not it's not a completely root one even reading the lyrics you wouldn't necessarily completely understand no. what that was all about and i think that's really important and and there are references that are really obvious to it there's references to pop star there's a reference to an industry killer you know some of that stuff is there i don't think this song works as well if it is just called fuck the music industry and it doesn't have the slight weird 666 edge mm. to it and it doesn't have that shroud of mystery to it. Um, that's a bit of maturity that has come through between the self-titled and, and, and Iowa. I'd this argue was a band a that was growing up. I'd argue that's a lot of maturity, actually. You look at, again, you make the jump from something like Spit It Out or Surfacing to this and it's it's remarkably impressive just how much Slipknot have clearly picked up from being on the road for, for a year and a half or whatever it was on that self-titled thing and just how much more nuanced their songwriting has, has become. And Corey, as a, as a lyricist, really stepped up between the self-titled and Iowa. And yeah, you're right. I think it's it, it's nowhere near as effective if it is just a fucking music industry song. But the fact that he was able to create something that is very much giving that message about the industry but at the same time as the name of the song suggests is an anthem for fields of thousands and thousands of metalheads to shout along to <laughs> like to do that on your second proper album that's going some that really is going some this song is super heavy super fast well thrashy loads going on everybody is fantastic on it um i don't want to go too long on this song in particular but Joey, Ooh. there's a lot going on. There's a lot of, there's, when whenever you hear people talk about Iowa and one of the reasons it was so remarkable that it went to number one was was all the blast beats on there and the double bass drumming, like heretic anthem. The, there is a an actual break in this song that is just double bass. And you can do more creative things on drums, but there are a few things that's, that pummel your head and guts an entire body with as much force as double bass drumming done to this level and pushed in the mix. I don't know whether that was a mix or whether it's Ross Robinson on production side deciding to just have this driving force of the just relentless pounding on either of your ears. But it's just, yeah, this is, I mean, we talked, we talked in the Purity episode about that being a sort of classic Joey drum sound. Yeah. But if there's ever a song that cemented Joey as a, as a drum hero, it's probably this one because it's just his feet are just going overdrive all the way through. It 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 feels like it it slows down and it does have it does do different things and there's 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 plenty of kind of nuance to the drum performance on this song, but it just feels like it's completely relentless. Yeah, yeah. In many ways, some of this song is fairly basic. Like the opening guitar riff is no 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 no, no. and then the second guitar comes in and does exactly the same. But even then, you can feel yourself like ready to take off, and then the drums come in, and you just it just explodes, and it's just so. This is going to sound sound like a silly thing to say, but but go with me. It's the Nickelback thing. It is so simple, and so brilliant at the same time. You know, 
much as neither of us like Nickelback, they're, they're undeniably excellent songwriters and they, they've nailed something about doing something very simple but very effective. And the intro to this song, it's it's basic, really basic songwriting. It's It's just two notes on a riff and a load of drums, but God, does it work. Bear in mind the drums on this song. Mm-hmm. I'm going somewhere with this. Take the Heretic Anthem off Iowa yeah. and put it on another Slipknot record. Doesn't fit anywhere, does it? No. No, because it's, it's, a, it's a level up from the self-titled that just doesn't fit. It's totally wrong for volume three. All hope is gone. It's probably too basic. I don't yeah. know, it just I don't know, it just doesn't feel like it works in that vibe. And and by the time you get to Grey Chapter, I mean the, when you bear in mind the drumming, I mean the, the closest thing I can think of is actually um um All Our Life. That's fair. <laughs> which is which is odd given that's so much further down their career, mm. but, but drumming wise and that, that yeah. relentlessness. A different drummer, of course, as well. Yeah, yeah. So I I I think what's what's really interesting about that is that uh, you don't all you, you think of Iowa as a great Slipknot album. Many people's favourite Slipknot album, um, a development from the first in a, in a way, and a, a, a lead into um, Volume Three in a way as well. And yet, we we, we possibly slightly underappreciate it as its own thing. We just go, "Oh, that's the heavy one." Mm-hmm. Oh, we are not your kind. Is going to be Iowa heavy and all of that stuff. And you just think Iowa heavy, Iowa heavy. Sonically. It is so distinctive from the rest of the Slipknot catalogue. And I think the sound of the Heretic Anthem sums up why that is. How do you feel about how the Heretic Anthem has has aged alongside the rest of the album on which it sits? Because for me, Heretic Anthem was was an immediate anthem and still remains an absolute banger of a song. But actually, as I've grown... I think Heretic Anthem has kind of almost stayed where it was. So that that initial reaction I had to it as a 16-year-old and 15-year-old when it came out, I don't think I've necessarily got fallen in love with it anymore in the passage of time. Whereas pretty much everything else on Iowa, I probably love five, even tenfold. So in some ways, I almost feel like Heretic Anthem has not aged as well as the record. And yet it is still an absolutely amazing song. Yeah, I, I I think that's all fair, and I agree with it all. What I would say is uh, this and People Equal Shit are so in your face and so full on that, that they don't go um, into clean vocal very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the cleanest vocal on Iowa, I think, dates it very slightly. Mm-hmm. Um Partly because it just sounds of its time, I think, and partly because of the massive improvement in what Corey shows of himself now. I think the clean vocals on recent Slipknot are so much more powerful, um, and it's it's they weren't sort of sonically knocked back in the mix on it, but it feels like it just wasn't a priority. Um, so as much as you know, some of the choruses on this album are great and very big. The actual delivery of them from a vocal point of view doesn't seem like it was the most important thing on the song. The absence of that on this song, I think, keeps it fresh. Mm. But 
I I loved it then, and I love it now. And it, yeah, just, there's there's been no trajectory that, yeah. that's that's improved that in in the meantime. No video, Dave. Yeah, I was just going to make the same point in the same sort of inquisitive tone. Considering this was that you know this was a song that they did that did get out um, as as a single, and it was they, I mean they made six hundred and sixty six physical singles mm. of it um, that are, are probably as almost as rare a collector's item as make feed kill repeat, I would imagine. But yeah, no video for it. it it's very surprising because the you look at the big Slipknot songs and they've all got videos for it, be it live footage or mm. weird clown directed stuff but it's it's surprising that there has not been a video for this is it every other single i don't know if it is i think this is i, think, I can't think of any others as far as i'm aware certainly on the iowa bunch of singles this is the only one that didn't have a video um i think you're right i, I think this is probably the only single they've released it because um negative one had a video yeah because that was a weird that was a digital only single yeah but it was launched with a video on a yeah. website i think yeah and they've they've kind of in recent years they've, they've fallen into the cycle of first single has a video that doesn't show the band mm. and then the the second single is like the the first proper promo one for the album and you usually see the new masks in that point yeah which yeah. we'll get onto on devil and i i guess but yeah this one um yeah th- this one no video Again, I'm I'm surprised, but hey, that's that's it's nice to have these little surprises. It really it? is, yeah. There are unfortunately a couple of covers that we should mention. Okay, I'd say I don't think I've ever heard a cover of this song. There was the one on the Metal Hammer. If, if there was, it was forgettable. No, there wasn't one on the Metal One Metal Hammer CD. But there, were, I was I was looking online just to see. So, oh god, Periphery covered this song oh, in god. 2012. Um, they changed the sample at the start to a weird South Park voice saying, ladies and gentlemen, introducing the heretic anthem, which is awful. Good. Which and South Park character are we? Well, I don't know if it's a South, <laughs> it's a South Park style, like, introducing the heretic anthem. Oh um, my God. It's a pretty straight cover. You look at the, as with anything Periphery does, you go in the comments on YouTube and all of the, the internet tech metal nerds love it and say it's better than Slipknot. Good. Yeah. <laughs> the the thing is, Periphery's version, it's fine as a recording of a band playing this song by Slipknot, but it doesn't have any life to it. it doesn't have any soul to it. And well, Periphery, yeah, and and the Carn Effects one from two thousand. So Periphery's from two thousand twelve. Carn Effects from two thousand eighteen. Um, musically, they may have, it's almost as if they just deleted Corey's vocals and re-recorded the vocals. They do nothing different on the okay. on the on the music side of it. And Carnifex's vocals are just yeah, they don't work for this song. It's ba- it's it's unnecessary. And for both of these, why would you listen to them when the original mm-hmm. exists? I think uh, this is a song that doesn't need to be covered. If if you were going to force me to pick somebody to cover it, I'd like Lamb of God to cover this and play it a little bit slower. And have Randy Blythe mm. shouting that refrain. That would work for me. But Periphery and Carnifex, no, you can jog on me. Yeah, not for me. Um, there are live versions of it knocking around. Yeah. Many of them sitting here and there on, on Slipknot Records and special editions and all that kind of thing. Always Absolute Pure Fire is a brilliant live song. Um, I want to know which introduction you prefer because they either do straight through the sample countdown mm-hmm. or you get Corey at the front of the stage just saying if you're 555 five, five, then I'm 
See, as far as I remember, so I was lucky enough to see Slipknot on the Iowa tour. I think, and the Disaster Pieces DVD may prove me wrong, but I think we had a mixture of both there. Mm. I think we had Corey getting the crowd oh, no, no, chanting yeah. and then Sid doing it. And that was such a glorious moment as a as a 16-year-old dressed in my homemade Joey Jordison mask and boiler suit. Getting Corey getting the crowd chanting and then the spotlight just falling on Sid and having his little moment where he stops the record to do the sixes. And then I remember him really dragging out the goo. <laughs> and then that riff comes in. I, I'll just take it all, please. I'll yeah. just have yeah. all of that. I think if I were to choose, what I would want is whatever song is on before it finishes, guitar change in the dark, all of that kind of stuff. Total blackout venue. Eight seven six 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 straight in, and I'm like, yeah. yes, please. That that would be effective. But there, there was particularly on the Iowa run, the way Corey got them going, he got he just edged himself up everyone, and the crowd got going. And and I guess in some ways, the the fact that it doesn't go straight into an explosive riff, you almost lose some of the power. But it it kind of it gets you excited, and then you you kind of temper yourself back a bit, and then you yeah. explode. And and that I mean that live version as well because when the when Joey comes in obviously the pyro comes in at that point as well oh it's just just such a thrill and and like that was one of the first ones where I realised the backing vocals of, of um, Clown and and Chris as mm. well so having them suddenly appear out of nowhere and just shouting that that backing vocal in the chorus just oh yeah live this song is just it's just silly really See, silly I'm very much looking forward to seeing it again. Right. What we're doing here is ranking every single Slipknot song, mm-hmm. which means we need to give it a score out of nine. Because Slipknot. Because Slipknot. What are you giving to the Heretic Anthem? Well, I do feel like this is potentially a little harsh and doesn't quite match with the enthusiasm that I've shown for it in this episode, but I'm giving it a six out of five. I think that's trying to take into context all of the songs we're ranking in this series, let alone the whole thing. But like I said, it's, it's undeniably an absolute Slipknot anthem. I just think I've grown to like other songs more than it. But, you know, you, you, you're you going to give me your score in a minute and I'm sure it will be higher than that mm. and I will agree with it, with it wholeheartedly. Yeah, I think the thing to make very clear is that the, the one to nine is a Slipknot scale. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we're going to get to one, but if it were, it would still be better than most people's, other, most other bands' songs. Mm-hmm. Um with that in mind, my score for the Heretic Anthem is 7.5 out of 9 um, for reasons that we've discussed, Benny. It's, I, I have such affection for it. It was such a big influence on me as a kid. And I think it stands up today as well. And it's just so dirty. I love it. So that gives us a total score of 14 out of 18, which puts it joint top of the league with Killpop um, sitting just above Purity. is where yep. we're at so far. That feels about right, actually. Those three songs feels about right. I think you know, we've, we've, if if we've kept people who listen to the first episode, um, who really don't like Kill Pop, then I'd be surprised. But if there's anyone who's still knocking around and has just heard us put the Heretic Anthem on a level with Kill Pop, they're done us to fuck off, aren't they? But that shows the 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 brilliance of Slipknot is that we can you can take the Heretic Anthem and Kill Pop and we can rank them the same for completely different reasons, and it's just they're so much more than just a bunch of angry men in masks shouting aren't they yeah but they are though oh they are oh yes love it right that is the heretic anthem by Slipknot You Can't Kill Me is produced by Lister K and there is nothing you can do about it goodbye goodbye